Lord, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for your word. We give you thanks for the power that comes into our lives because we understand it through your spirit and we live it through your guidance. And so we ask your blessings upon us in this time. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen. I don't know if you know, but we now have an Instagram account for our church. Now, we've had a Facebook account for a while, but we've updated that account and we've linked it to our Instagram. Now, there's many reasons to have an Instagram account, but one of the good reasons to have it is it allows us to promote our events when they are going to happen. But if we really want to get a message out to people, we don't just put it on our Facebook and we don't just put it on our Instagram. We also highlight it on the Daily Breeze and we we ask you to go out and to tell your friends and your family and your neighbors about what's going on. We try to do everything we can, right, to get the message out. Well, this morning we're going to see how God, when he wants to speak a message, he finds a way to get his message known. Sometimes it's through the Bible, right? Sometimes it's through those times of prayer. Sometimes maybe a good friend gives you an encouraging message that you realize is from God. Maybe sometimes it is from a sermon that you hear, a devotion that you read. And sometimes, like we see today in Matthew 2, it is through dreams. We are staying in the early part of the Gospel of Matthew this week again because it is fitting for the time frame of the Advent season. And in this passage we're going to look at today, we're going to see how God speaks to the Magi and to Joseph through dreams to get his message across to them. And we're going to talk about how God watches over us and speaks to us his will. How he makes that known to us so that we can live truly for him. So in Matthew chapter verses 1 to 2, we read these words, and whenever you see yellow, please read with me. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now the Magi, you probably know, were, were stargazers. They were astrologers. They knew the prophecy of the coming Messiah. They knew the signs of the one who was to come. They had seen these signs and they had come to Jerusalem. And they began to ask, where is the one who was born king of the Jews? They understood what was happening and they expected that everyone around them would know what was happening as well. So they were quite surprised when they found out that so many people did not know what was going on. This monumental birth of the Messiah. We see time and time again, the hearts of those who are drawn to Christ will seek him more than others, right? Your heart is drawn to Christ. You come to Christ. You seek him. You want to know him. You want to find him. And that was true of the Magi. They traveled a great distance to see him and to worship him. You know, a lot of times people have to go through difficult circumstances to get to that place where they realize, I need Jesus in my life. Others just feel that, that prompting, that, that pulling to God. It happens in so many different ways. That's why it's wonderful to hear people's testimonies, isn't it? 
It's, a, it's so exciting to see where do they start, the road that they traveled to get to Jesus, to where they, they got to that place to where they wanted to know him. They wanted to, to worship him. They wanted to grow in their faith. They wanted him to be their Savior and their Lord. It's so exciting to hear the story of each person. I encourage you when you're talking with other people, say, what is your story? How did you come to know Jesus? Because it's so fun to hear the journey that people went through. Of course, we know the Magi went through a great journey. They traveled a far distance, and they ultimately came to King Herod. And they asked, where is this Jesus? Where is this King born of the Jews? But King Herod didn't want to worship Jesus. He wanted to kill him. He saw Jesus as a threat to his throne. See, what a different response there is for those who, whose hearts aren't drawn to Jesus, as King Herod's was not. They are blinded by their sin. We come across people like that all the time, don't we? And while we're supposed to share the gospel, share the message with them, if they're not open to it, if they're not receiving it, then you need to move on to the next person. Now, if they come to you and they say, please let me know about Jesus, we should always be willing to share the message of the gospel. But we should seek out those whose hearts are open to Jesus and share the gospel with them more readily. Well, we see that King Herod calls the Magi, and he, when he talks to them, he's deceiving them. He says, when you find Jesus, come back to me and tell me the place where he is, because I, too, want to go and worship him, which, of course, was not true. See, King Herod wanted to kill Jesus because, as I said before, Jesus was a threat to his throne, a threat to his power. He wanted to rid himself of that. But after their long journey, we finally see that the Magi have success. It says, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Is this what Advent season is for you? Is this what coming into the presence of Christ in worship does for you? Are you overawed by the presence of God and bow down in humbleness and worship God? This is such a wonderful picture we see here in Matthew 2 of the Magi coming and being overawed by Jesus' presence, by his glory, of being overjoyed to be in his presence, so much so that it leads them to bow down and worship Jesus as the king they knew he was. This is what Christ should do for you and for me as our Savior, as our Lord. Whenever we have an opportunity to come into his presence, whenever we take a moment to reflect on Jesus' presence in our life, we should be humbled. We should be in awe. We should bow down and worship him. We should regularly ask God to open our eyes to see the glory of God as the Magi did, his glory and his wonder. We should ask God to open our eyes to see all that we need to see. We should allow God to let the words of the songs that we sing and the prayers that are prayed and the scripture that is read and the sermon that is preached, allow that to come into our hearts and our minds and to bless us and draw us evermore into the very presence 
of God. The Magi knew that they were in the very presence of God. See, it's when we are in this place that we will experience the true nature of God. And we will see clearly what God desires for us. That is what Advent is to be all about. The moving of our hearts and our minds to a place where God can fill us with his presence. That we understand that God came in the form of a baby to live among us so that we might experience his presence and his power and his glory and his love all the more. And we might not only experience it ourselves, but we could then share it with others. That is what we are called to do. Even more, when we are humbly worshiping God, we put ourselves in a place where God can speak to us. We see this happening to the Magi in verse 12. And having been warned in a dream, the scripture says, not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. God spoke to them that they were not to go back to Herod, but they were to go away a different route so that Jesus' place of birth would not be discovered by Herod. And they heard this message, and they faithfully followed it. Wouldn't it be wonderful to every day get a message from God? Wouldn't it be wonderful to wake up in that day and say, God, what is your will for me to do? And have God speak to you his will? It can happen. It can happen when you humble yourselves before God, when you open your heart and your mind, when you worship God. I mean, our day should really start with worship, right? We wake up and we say, Jesus, I want to be in your presence. And you humble yourself and you bow down and you worship God and you say, God, speak to me your word, your will, this day. And God will speak to you. God will make known his will. Well, as the story moves on, we see that Mary and Joseph have received this wonderful gift of having Jesus as their son, this Savior of the world. They've accepted this. They're, they're humbly living for God and obeying God as they made the trek to, to Bethlehem and and they found a way to, to give birth to Jesus. And they have their little family together. And they've been visited by the shepherds. And they've been visited by the magi. And they think all is well. But the truth is, all is not well. For King Herod gets very, very upset when the magi did not return to him. And it is dangerous for the lives of Mary and Joseph and Jesus. Well, it's unrealistic, it's fun to see in movies. You know, all the time you, you have one, one of the main plots of an action or a mystery, right, is that you have someone who finds himself in danger, right? Probably on the verge of death. And just at that right time, the hero arrives, right? You know it's going to happen. You want it to happen, and when it happens, you are excited. I mean, how terrible if evil won over good, right? That would be terrible. Now, I know that doesn't happen all the time in real life. There's times when evil overcomes good in our world. But the truth is, we have to remember. We have to remember that God is that hero for us. He sent his son, Jesus, to save us at that right time. The hero has come to bless us, to save us, to be there 
for us. So God does this for Mary and Joseph as Jesus, right? Joseph receives the message of God in a dream. And we read it in Matthew 2, 13. When they had gone, and the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. In this case, the hero was the angel, right? God sent the angel to speak a message to Joseph, to say, your life is in danger, and I'm going to save you by sending you off to Egypt. Now, that must have been a crazy thought for them. Egypt, why would we go all the way to Egypt, right? Kind of maybe like the first relocation program, right? Where they were sent away outside of Herod's reach. God knows that Herod will kill Jesus if he finds him. And so God speaks to Joseph and sends them to Egypt where they were protected. And as humble servants of the Lord, Mary and Joseph obeyed and went off to Egypt. We too need to have this attitude. We need to understand that in the midst of all of life's unsettledness, God is there for us. I mean, life is, can be unsettled at all the time, at all times, can't it? I mean, right now we're going through a very unsettled time in our nation, right? Our president is being impeached. And regardless of what side you stand on, it is causing great turmoil in our country. And so there's an unsettledness going on of something that you have no control over. All kinds of things in your life will pop up from time to time and cause this unsettledness in your life, cause this danger in your life, cause this trouble, cause this hardship. What do we do with this unsettledness? And the answer is right here. We open ourselves to God. We listen to God. We trust that God is there for us and that God will lead us and guide us and make his will known to us, the direction he wants us to go, the steps he wants us to take. God is there for us in the midst of the unsettledness of life. However, we see next what happens when sin takes root in the heart of someone who does not know Jesus. We read this in Matthew 2.16. Can we do the next slide, please? It says, When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Herod killed all the male children, two years old and younger, not only in Bethlehem, but in the villages surrounding them, thinking that by doing so, he would rid himself of Jesus and he would protect his power and his authority and his throne. We see how unbridled wrath, armed with unlawful power, often carries man to absurd cruelties. How early did persecution happen in the Christian church, in the Christian life? In Christ, he himself was persecuted, right? The people around him were persecuted for his being in their presence. But whatever crafty, Cruel devices are in men's heart. The counsel of the Lord will stand. The will of God will be done. And in Christ, we can know that we are ultimately saved. 
That's what we do with the unsettledness of life. We trust in the protection and the guarding of Christ. And we trust in God saving us. Not only here on earth, but ultimately in our eternal destination to heaven. The Lord's work will be done. When love does not reign in your heart, you will seek to do only what you want to do. The love I'm talking about is a love that Christ puts in our hearts. The, Christ, the love that Christ only could put in our hearts. The, the love that we can only have for others when Christ has put that in our heart. If we do not have that love, we will not humble ourselves before God and we will not seek to do what God wants us to do. We will seek to do only what we want to do. When we wake up in the morning, it will not be about God's plan. It will be about my plan and what I want to do. And we will miss out on being a part of the kingdom of God, the work that God has for us to do. When love does not reign in your heart, you will not care much about the lives of others. You will not care that people don't know Jesus as their Savior and their Lord. And because of this, you will not seek to do everything you can to try to get the gospel into the lives of those who do not know Jesus. You will not care that people are choosing hell over heaven. You will not give of yourself to show the love of God to those who truly need to see it and experience it. When love does not reign in your heart, your sin will be great. It might not be like the sin of King Herod, but it will be sin just the same. It will be unforgiven sin. It will be unchecked sin. It will be sin that does not lead you to guilt and to repentance. It will be sin that will grow because God will not be there to take it away from you. We must be like Mary and Joseph, ready to hear God's voice and to receive God's direction whatever it might be. When we live in this way, sin will not get a foothold into our lives, and Satan will have to go elsewhere. That is the truth of the Scriptures. Have you ever wondered why we dream? Psychologists talk about it in scientific terms. They say that, that uh, one purpose for dreams is that they help you to instruct to store up your important memories and things that you've learned and to get rid of your unimportant memories and sort through the complicated thoughts and feelings that you have. Pretty interesting how dreams can help us do that. Research shows that sleep helps store memories. Now, I think that there's much truth to this, but God really created us to dream, right? And so we need to think of it in spiritual terms as well. I would add that God speaks to us through our dreams. Now, the challenge for many of us, right, is we don't remember our dreams. And so, because of that, we are challenged to really receive the messages that God has for us through our dreams. I've often had dreams where I've dreamed about certain people, and when I wake up, I remember their names, and I, and I really feel strongly that God is telling me to pray for these people that he put into my dreams. Or sometimes God has given me a message or a direction of what he wants me to go or, or what he wants me to do or where he wants me to go. Sometimes when you think about your dreams, 
God speaks to you through them. Not all the time, but sometimes God speaks to us through our dreams. And so when we don't remember our dreams, we limit ourselves in God speaking to us. So I encourage you that to try something for the next while. When you wake up, usually you immediately you need a piece of paper and a pencil, right? And you need to immediately think about, what was my dream? Immediately, because if you even let a few seconds go by, your dreams just are gone, right? And try to write down your dreams for, the, for a, a week or so. And see what you're dreaming. And see if there's not a message from God to you through your dreams. See, throughout this passage, we see that God was speaking to the Magi and to Joseph in a dream. And this happens again. We see here in Matthew 2, 19 to 20. It says, After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So they're in Egypt. Joseph sees a dream and says, Herod's dead, you can go back. Things are better, yet things aren't completely better, so they're not allowed to go back to Jerusalem. They were to go to Nazareth. Now, this is all very interesting. I want to point out something to you very important here, right? It was prophesied that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. And then later, you're like, well, why was Jesus called Jesus of Nazareth? Right? If you've heard that term. He was called Jesus of Nazareth. It was this reason why he was called Jesus of Nazareth. Because Joseph was told, don't take him to Jerusalem. Take him to Nazareth. And so we see how prophecy is fulfilled time and time again. Right? All these prophecies were given about the Messiah. Where he would be born. Where he would grow up. Jesus didn't have any control over those, did he? But it was the Messiah who would fulfill these prophecies. And we see how Jesus fulfills the prophecies and shows the true nature that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. We can learn that God can know things that we cannot know. God can guide us in ways that, God, that we cannot see. God will guide us and protect us in ways where we cannot protect ourselves. God can work in and through our lives in powerful ways when we take the time to humble ourselves before the Lord and to listen, to listen for his voice. Again, he may speak to you in many ways, right? You may just be reading the Bible and some profound thought comes to you. You may be talking with a friend and they give you a special encouragement. I mean, that's how I came to be in the ministry. You may be reading a devotion and God speaks a, a powerful word to you. You may be praying and this thought just comes upon you strongly. God can and will speak to you in so many different ways to make his will known to you when we seek to listen. Read this verse with me, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God has a plan for your life? Well, it's true. God promises that God has a plan for our life. God has a will for our life. We need to, to seek that will and to follow that will. And when we do, God will do great and marvelous and wonderful things 
in and through our lives. As I look at my own life, I really do think it's been a wonderful life, but it's been different than what I imagined when I was younger. I graduated as a music education degree from Cal State Fullerton. I thought I was going to be a junior high band director. I was accepted into the teacher credential program at Cal State Fullerton, and they had a 93% placement ratio from their program, which means I was almost guaranteed to get a job once I graduated from the credential program. That was my path. And like I just said a moment ago, one little word, one little phrase from a friend. Junior high director was leaving. I was a volunteer. This friend who was on the staff said, why doesn't Chris take over? I wasn't even thinking about ministry. And the junior high director said, well, he's not ready yet, which was true. I hadn't even started seminary. I wasn't ready for this program. But that one sentence, or one question, why doesn't Chris take over? Planted a seed in my brain. Spoke a message of God for his will for my life. And set me on a path that I had never imagined for myself. And what a wonderful experience it has been to be a pastor for the Lord. To have the opportunity to preach the word of God and to impact people's lives for spiritual growth. It has been such a wonderful journey for me. I, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Are you listening? There is a story of a son that he tells about his father. They were hunting in Oregon forest and they had taken a pause they were just standing there taking a rest when all of a sudden out of the bush comes this wild brown cottontail and it runs up and snuggles right against his dad's leg now wild cottontails don't normally do that and this cottontail was shaking a few seconds later they discovered why about 20 yards in front of them a weasel pops out of the forest and surveys the situation, finally locates the cottontail, and realizes that he is being protected. <laughs> so his dad raises his rifle and shoots at the weasel about two feet in front of the weasel. The weasel jumps about two feet in the air and takes off back into the forest. And about a minute later, the cottontail, looking around, finally darts back off into the forest realizing that he is now safe. So much of our life can seem unsafe, right? We've, we come into trouble and hardship and struggle and challenges and danger all around us. I remember as a parent, I was constantly trying to protect my children, right? From all the dangers in the world. And then you send them off to college, right? And then you can't protect them in the same way anymore, right? And you like given this whole list of instructions, right? Do this, don't do this, remember this, see this, call me when this happens, right? All these things, because you aren't there to protect them. But God is our protector. We saw that in the life of Mary and Joseph and Jesus. We see that in our own lives when we trust in the Lord. God is our protector. He is our guide. He will make his will known to you and to me if we only open ourselves up to him and listen to him, hear his voice, and follow. Would you do that?
Let us pray.